Okay, this is Communion Sunday, uh, and I was thinking about what we would do for a communion meditation. And uh, I think what would be appropriate is just get a big dose of Jesus. A big dose of Jesus' teaching. So what I'm going to do is just kind of share a little bit um, some of his words. Some I'll amplify, some I'll stop and comment on. Uh, But we'll just, when we come to the table today, we will have sat... Uh, under a lot of his teaching. One of his most important messages, he says, is God blesses those who know they need me. Because those are the people who come to Jesus, the people who understand their need for him. And he says, those who come to me, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And the kingdom of heaven, he tells us, is within us. And the kingdom of heaven is also righteousness, which is the sum of all that's good, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, God blesses those who are merciful, who show grace to others. They shall receive mercy. God blesses the pure in heart. And the pure in heart means, you know, salt, pure salt means there's nothing but salt. There's nothing mixed with it. So the pure in heart are those who come to Jesus with no mixture in their motives. They come to him, they come to Father just for who he is and not for what he will do for them. Father blesses those who bear my peace and speak my truth in a fallen world. Those are the peacemakers. Those who come into a a problematic situation in peace and can speak his truth in love. And peacemakers put themselves in the middle of conflict situations that they can bring the peace of Christ and the truth of Christ. God also blesses those who hunger and thirst after all that's good. He says, after righteousness' sake. You know, if you hold your breath for two minutes, you will do everything you can to breathe. And that's the way he wants us to hunger and thirst for him and his righteousness. And he says, they will be filled with his spirit. God blesses those who are persecuted for all that's good. He says, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He says, blessed are those who are persecuted for my name's sake. For so they persecuted the prophets which were before you. He said, you're the salt of the earth. Let me tell you about salt. Salt, if it's sitting on a table, it just sits there. It's not even alive. But if you put a piece of ice on it, it melts it. If you put a a wound on it, it'll heal it. If you put a piece of meat on it, it'll preserve it. Everything that comes in contact with salt is just changed by the very nature of what it is. And as you and I abide in Christ, people and circumstances are affected and changed just by coming in contact with us when we're abiding in him. He says, you're the salt of the earth. He says, if salt loses its flavor, its saltiness, how will its properties be restored? He says, it's good for nothing but to be cast out. He also says, you're the light of the world. He said, you're a city sitting on a hill that cannot be hid. He said, men do not light a candle and place it under a bowl, but they put it on a stand like one of these stands that gives light into all the room. He says, let your light so shine before men that they'll see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. If you've ever been at sea at night, men long and look for a lighthouse to give them direction to give them protection so they don't get too close to the shore. If you've ever been in the woods and lost, a light will give you direction. 
If you're a plant, you need light for life, and we need light for life. We are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. Jesus said of himself, he says, I am the light of the world, and he says to us, you're the light of the world. He says, don't think that I have come to destroy the law of the prophets. I didn't come to destroy those, but rather to fill them. For truly I say unto you, heaven and earth shall pass away before the smallest piece of punctuation shall in any way pass from the law. He said, you've heard it been said, you should not commit adultery. But I say, whosoever looks at a woman to lust after her has committed adultery. And James says, whosoever much as looks at the world to lust after it has committed adultery. So he said, if your right eye causes you to sin, just pluck it out and cast it from you because it's better for one of your members to perish than your whole body to be cast into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, just cut it off and cast it from you for it's better for you that one of your members should perish than your whole body be cast into hell. That's pretty drastic. But what he's saying is, if we find ourselves in situations where we know we're walking into tempting situations... We need to take drastic measures at that time. Be a little ruthless with yourself. We need to protect ourselves. He goes on to say, he talks to us about prayer and how we should pray. He talks about how we should give. He talks about how we should live. He says, when you do your good works, don't do your good works before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, you'd have your reward. But do your good works in secret, and your Father who sees you in secret will reward you openly. And then he says, when you pray, don't pray publicly so men can see you, as the hypocrites do. But he said, pray in private. Go and close the door to your room and pray in private. And your father who sees you in private shall reward you openly. He says, when you pray, don't use a bunch of useless repetitions as the heathen do, who think they should be heard for their much speaking. He says, but when you pray, pray something like this. Father, holy, holy is your name. Your kingdom, righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit, would it come within my heart? Your will be done on earth with me and in me as it is done in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and upon yourself to feed. And as you have forgiven us all of our transgressions in Christ, empower us, empower me to forgive all those who have and will transgress against me. Lead us away from temptation. Deliver us from the flesh, from the evil to come, and the evil one. You know, and this morning when we come before communion, it's very important that we have forgiven all those who have transgressed against us. Jesus says, for if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you yours. Now, in absolute terms, if your very last breath was a sin... And you don't ask his forgiveness or anyone. We're completely forgiven. We're forgiven because of the blood of Christ on the cross. So if you do not and I do not forgive our neighbor or our brother, it is not going to keep us out of heaven. But what it does, if we have unforgiveness in our heart, it blocks our communion with God. And it blocks the grace of God from coming into our heart. And it blocks us from feeling 
the forgiveness that he wants us as believers to feel. So, Jesus tells us, if you have anything against your brother, go quickly and be reconciled with him. Greet quickly with your brother, quickly while you're on the way with him, lest at any time your brother delivers you to the judge, the judge to the jailer, and you be cast in the prison. He says, you will not come out till you pay the last penny. So forgive your brother, and also be reconciled to your brother or sister while you're on the way. Jesus also says, in this world, everything moves, everything breaks, but me. So do not place your security in things of this world where everything moves and everything breaks. For where you secure yourself, where I secure myself, there our hearts will abide. And we've had this conversation before, but the greatest motivating force in this world is fear. Every day men and women get up and do things because they're afraid what will happen if they don't, and they don't do things because they're afraid what will happen if they do. And the source of all fear is insecurity. The source of all insecurity is that we, in fact, have secured ourselves in that which is not secure. The source of all worry is insecurity. And the source of all insecurity is we've secured ourselves in that which is not secure. And what does worry do to us? Worry takes us out of the only dimension that exists, which is right now in this room, and it puts us in a dimension that doesn't exist. That's tomorrow. And worry is, is believers, it's you and I trying to figure out what we're going to do if Jesus doesn't show up. You know, if you lose your left arm, how are you going to make it with just one right arm? If you lose your legs, how are you going to make it with two arms? If you lose your two arms, how are you going to make it with two legs? If this happens, how am I going to do it? And Jesus says, just don't do that. The reason we worry is because we have secured ourselves in something that moves, something that's not secure. So Jesus said, don't do that. Place all your security in me. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. For where your security is, there your heart will abide also. He said, the light of the body is the eye. If our eye is fixed singularly on him, our whole body should be full of light. But if we set our eye on the world, our eyes shall be filled with darkness and how great that darkness can be. He said, a man cannot serve two masters. He will love one. He'll hate the other. He'll hold the one. He'll despise the other. You can't serve God in the world. You know, people used to talk to me. I've, I've had this conversation with people. Where they say, Rick, well, what's a balanced Christian life? You know, how do you balance being spiritual and being, being in the world. You know, the only person who has to worry about balance is the man who's walking on top of a fence. Because if you're walking on top of a fence, you've got to worry about balance. If you fall on one side or you fall on the other, there's not a balance issue. So the balanced Christian life is Father is calling us to give it all to him without reservation. And then as we give it all to him... We can live in this world. We can enjoy this world. We can be in the world and not of the world. 
We can be in business and not of business. We can be in ministry and not of ministry. In fact, if we are free from everything in this world, we of all men can truly enjoy it. You know, the man who lives to eat can't really enjoy it that much because just as he's finished breakfast, he's already thinking about lunch. And then he starts worrying about, will the food be good or will I have enough money, whatever. But a man who is free from food can enjoy that breakfast completely as much as the man who is looking to it would like to, but the man who is completely free from it can enjoy the breakfast. And that's the amazing thing. If we can live without something, we can live with it. If you can live without that Ferrari, if someone gives you one, you can live with it. It won't spoil you. Fear. Fear takes our mind. It captivates us. The reason time goes so fast for adults is we get up every day and we think the same things we did before. We worry about the same things. So life just becomes a blur. Children live in the present tense. Time goes very, very slow for children. And as Father to deliver us from the future, time can go slow for us. And there's time in the present to worship him, to praise him, to have fellowship one with another. Jesus also talks about that we should love our neighbors as ourselves. Do unto others as you would have others do unto you. Do we have opportunities to do that? On a weekly basis, daily basis? He says, asking shall be given to you, seeking you shall find, knocking the door shall be open." He talks about our receiving from him. He says, which one of you, if you had a son and he asked for a piece of bread, would give him a rock? Or if he would ask you for a fish, would give him a, a serpent? Or if he asked for an egg, would give him a scorpion? He said, if you, in whom evil resides in your flesh, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? You know, I love having children because I learned about a father's love by having children. Some of you grew up in homes where you didn't feel loved by your father. But if you have a child, then you know what a father's love is. And if your son asked you for a piece of bread, you wouldn't give him a rock. If he asked you for a fish, you wouldn't give him a serpent. And if we ask father for anything, he will not withhold anything good from us. And he will freely give us his spirit. In a few minutes, we're going to take communion. The glory of God dwelt in the tabernacle. The glory of God dwelt in Jesus Christ. The glory of God, in some mysterious way, dwells in this sacrament. Jesus says, this is my body, broken for you. This is my blood shed for you. And in a miraculous way, the glory of God dwells in us. Each one of us, brothers and sisters, are the temple of the Holy Spirit, if you're a believer. 
and he resides in us. And there's something unique about each one of you that doesn't exist. We're all like snowflakes. Everyone is a little different. And we put them all together, and this is the body of Christ. And in this room this morning, um, this, is, this is our very, very, very close family. Closer than blood relatives who don't know Jesus. Doesn't get any closer than this. You know, Jesus, when he uh, was teaching and speaking, people came up to him and said, Jesus, your mother and brothers are outside. And he stopped and looked and kind of pointed to the twelve. He says, these are my mother and brothers. And then he says, my mothers and brothers are those who hear my word and abide in my commandments. Those who are intimately related to me, these are my mother and brothers and sisters. We got this new year coming um, in Beijing. I'm a sweet family leaving this morning. But I'm, my prayer for this church is that as brothers and sisters, we can really draw closer to each other. We can walk away from here and remember that to pray for one another during this week, ask the Lord to give us opportunities to meet and get to know one another. And ask the Lord to let us become Christ to one another, to our spouses, to our children. Men, did you know that every woman in this room was, married to, was designed by God to be married to the perfect man? Problem is, the species of perfect men no longer walk the face of the earth. But it doesn't dumb down their need. In fact, a single woman and a single man have the identical relationship with God. But when a woman marries a man, something supernatural happens. They become one. And all of a sudden, your wife needs from you everything you want from Jesus. Security, understanding, love, protection. We don't have the ability to meet that need in and of ourselves, do we? But it can be met. But we need to get in Christ, men. Marriage is 98%. It's not a 50-50 deal. It's 98% the man's responsibility. Your, your wife is like the moon. You shine on her brightly, she'll reflect the love. But men, we need to speak life to our wives every day. We need to be life-giving and enlighten her. Paul, even though he doesn't seem to be married, some believe he early was, but Paul says, he who loves his wife loves himself. Yeah. If you don't love your wife, it's like driving your car and not changing your oil for 200,000 miles. And men, the best thing you can do for your wife is to take care of yourself, your relationship with Christ. Because if you and I have the grace to let Christ live in us, only Christ can love her as he's loved the church. And then the best thing you can do for your children is grow them up in a home where father is love and mother. Because then they'll feel very, very safe. Very safe.
Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. It's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. And this is the life what we're talking about in this 2014 is not living a life for Jesus, but learn to draw our life from Jesus. As we shared a couple of weeks ago, Jesus says, I am the true vine that brings Father's life into the world. You're my branch. Each one of you is a branch, a part of me. He says, just dwell in me, and I will live through you. You know, if you depart from me, you'll wither. But if you dwell in me, if you make your home in me, he said, I will live in you, and my life will flow through you. He says, and this is my Father glorified, that my life manifests itself in you. And in so doing, you'll be just like me. Because he says, Father, life manifests itself in me. In the same manner that Father loved me, I have loved you. Just remain in my love. And we talked about that a couple weeks ago. The Father loved the Son without reservation. And he's loved us without reservation. And this table is the example of his love for us without reservation. You know, it doesn't say, for Jesus loved the world so much that he gave himself. That's not what the scripture says. Jesus prayed three times. That this wouldn't happen. Jesus loved the Father so much that he bowed the knee and submitted and said, Not my will, but thy will be done. God loved the world so much that he gave his Son without reservation. And Jesus loved the Father so much that he gave his will without reservation. And Jesus cast himself into hell without reservation that we might have life. And what he's asking us for us in 2014 is he wants our lives without reservation. Holding nothing back. Give it all. That doesn't mean you have to quit your job. Doesn't mean you have to quit riding horses. Doesn't mean you have to quit doing probably anything you're doing. But it means that we give our heart to him. And to the extent we give our heart to anything other than Jesus, we don't give it to him. And that's what he wants without reservation. And as we partake of this table, um, I want us to think that Jesus says, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall not hunger. He who believes in me shall not thirst. He says, whosoever believes in me has eternal life. He says, as the Father has sent me and I live by feeding off the Father, he who feeds off me shall live by me. How do we feed off Jesus? Well, you know, all day long we're thinking, right? You know, you leave here and you're thinking, well, if I'm thinking, start bringing Jesus into your conversations. Just start bringing Jesus into your conversations. Just don't think to yourself, bring him into the conversation. And if you're bringing him in the conversation, and all of a sudden the traffic gets bad, chances are you'll say, Jesus, help me not get upset about this. It will develop our relationship with him. Giving ourselves to him basically means becoming dependent upon him. <clears throat> Remember the first verse, God blesses those who know they need him. The problem with our Christian life is typically we don't call upon him until 
circumstances required and we can't handle it. But Jesus didn't live that way. Jesus lived this life of constantly depending, constantly reaching out to Father. And he wants us to become that dependent. Because we were all brought up to be independent and self-sufficient. So we have a lot of habits. But God wants us to learn to be dependent even though our circumstances don't require it. Because if we trust him in those areas that we are confident in, we should see what God can do. You know, you get a man who uh, is a great salesman, and you ask him to give a devotional on Sunday morning. He calls all his friends and says, pray for me, pray for me, I'm scared to death. And he prays all week long. He gets up on Sunday morning, does a great job. That same man never prays before a sales call. But just think if he would pray before a sales call, what that would look like. So, brothers and sisters, our strengths are our potential weaknesses, and our weaknesses can be the greatest strengths. In just a second, I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward. We're going to have three sets of ushers, one here, one here, and one here. And we'll just start one row at a time, uh, coming up and taking communion. Um, take your time we also have a table in the back so if there's any families who would like to take this communion as a family you may we would just ask that if you take it that you'd move away from the table so another family can come if you want to move aside for prayer Paul exhorts us to examine ourselves before we take communion so I'd like for us to take a few minutes uh, and do that and then we'll have a prayer, and then we'll ask the ushers to come forward to serve communion today. Father, remind us of the things that you have asked us to do that we have not done. Father, remind us of the things that you've asked us not to do that we have done. Father, remind us if there's anyone that we have not granted forgiveness to. Father, remind us if there's someone we need to be reconciled with. Remind us of all our relationships. Spouses, children, parents, lawyers, employees, governments, men on the street. Father, we confess our, confess our sins of pride, want to be like you, not in righteousness, but in power and position activity, not in the goodness of your personality, but in the greatness of your being. We confess our self-sufficiency, want to be men and women without you, apart from you, independent of you. We confess our idolatry, placing self and people and things before you. Our adultery, our unbridled appetites for earthly satisfiers, things we want or desire to have for happiness, for peace, for life, apart from you. 
And finally, the pride of life, seeking acknowledgement and recognition for who we are, what we have, what we've done, who we know. We confess those sins as well as all sins of thought, word, and deed, sins of omission. And we claim your forgiveness through Jesus. And we thank you that as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is your mercy toward us. As the east is from the west, so far have you removed our transgressions from us. As the Father pities his children, so you pity each of us. You know our frame. You remember that we are dust. Lord Jesus, we would ask now that you'd send your Holy Spirit to meet us. We set these elements apart from common use to to your use and pray that um, our hearts and souls and minds would feed off you and be nourished by you today. In Christ's name, amen.